Amen. Once again, we're in our topic, World Religions, Cults, and the Occult, number 11, Bobby. And there's a theme that goes with Christian. It's not Christian, and it's not science. We'll add this one, not even close. Okay, and that's going to be our theme. And, of course, we saw uh, last week, if you were here, as we began our exciting journey in Christian science, uh, it started with a lady named Mary Baker Eddy. She wasn't a baker, and none of her husbands, she had more than one, was named Eddy. Uh, either as we continue on. But we saw last week uh, that uh, really the theme, if the study, if you will, we saw before our opening text was 1 Timothy 6, 20 through 21. And when Paul warns Timothy, turn away from, watch out, be careful, get away from science falsely so-called. And boy, isn't that the key word when it's Christian science? Because one, again, it's not Christian and it's not science not even close, okay? <laughs> and so this is what we're seeing. It's just repackaged. Paul wrote that 2,000 years ago, roughly, and here we are today. Somebody out there saying they're Christian, and this is some super knowledge, science, whatever you want to call it there in the Greek, and that's exactly what's being repeated. Now, last week we got just a little bit into the history of Mary uh, Baker Eddy, the one who uh, brought this stuff to play, but what we're going to do tonight, we're going to build on that, and we're going to see that Mary Baker Eddy got it from this guy, Phineas Quimby, and you're going to notice that I took that time, that's right, man, just all day. It took me hours. And, no, I came in here, and this is basically an outline. If we can get that far, okay, just like, remember, if you remember the Seventh-day Adventism, that one study, I did that little tree thing and had, well, this gave rise to these people. With these. This is what you're going to see. Phineas Quimby, he influenced Mary Baker 80. He was involved in New Age, and he was involved also in Hinduism, amongst other things. He, that's where she got her stuff from, but what we're going to see is this comes in, and this is the backbone of the charismatic movement, okay, is what we're going to see. And, uh, and again, this is just going to be a little teaser of where that journey is going to be, Lord willing, after this one. We're going into uh, the next one, Scientology, then we'll get into the charismatic, and we're going to camp on that, baby, because most people, even charismatics, with all due respect, they do not even know their own history. But we'll get a little teaser of it tonight, because... The same thread of history that birthed the charismatics also birthed Christian science, okay? But let's, in our workbook there, we already dealt with the aspect there in the first paragraph, and we left off there with that Quimby. So let's at least read the Quimby part, and then we're tearing it up again. In 1853, she married again in an attempt to regain custody of her son. In 1862, at 41 years old, she suffered from that illness and visited a mind science healer named who? Phineas Quimby. Quimby, okay, and he thought that the mind had the power to heal the body and had a significant influence on her thinking and spiritual matters, etc., etc. Well, that's about as far as we're getting in the workbook, because <laughs> we're going to take the journey with Phineas Quimby, right? But before we get there, again, uh, I just want to re reiterate where we've been so far, so you realize that Christian science is not Christian, and it's what? Not science. What's the tagline? Not even close. Okay, now we saw last time, and we're going to get into this greater detail when we get to that section, page two. Okay, uh, but we're not there. Just to give you an idea, I'm not making this up, but this is what they believe. You tell me if it's Christian or science, not even close, right? That she teaches and taught, still to this day, Christian science, that God is a universal principle we saw last time. God cannot indwell a person. God is mind. God is father, mother. We hear that all today. Uh, the Trinity is simply life, love, and truth. Uh, belief in the Trinity is the traditional version, the biblical version, is polytheism, according to her. Christ is the spiritual idea of sonship, and he was not the Messiah. We're going to see that again tonight. He was the Christ consciousness. He tapped into that power that all of us could have to bring perfect healing. Uh, he is not God, she says. He did not reflect the fullness of God. He did not die. The Holy Spirit is divine science. There is no devil. There is no sin. 
Evil and good are not real. Matter, sin, and sickness are not real, only illusions. Life is not material or organic. The sacrifice of Jesus was not sufficient to cleanse from sin. And true healings are the result of true belief. It's in your mind. You just got to learn these techniques. Now, is that Christian? No. And is that science? Not even close. You guys are doing good tonight. Praise God. I feel excited. Now, with that said, before we get into the Phineas Quimby section, we're going to back up a little bit. Again, if you weren't here last week, so far last week we saw Mary Baker Eddy's background. And what we learned in her background so far, it ain't looking good. And so what we covered last week, let me give you 14 things we hit. She had a volatile religious upbringing. She, the very thought of eternal damnation made her ill. Her dad thought her head, I'm not making this up, her dad thought her head was too big for her body, so he kept her out of school. Uh, she would suddenly, uh, many times in her life, writhe on the floor, screaming, and would be unconscious for hours. That's not good. She had extreme health problems, an eating disorder. She was invalid for much of her life. She heard spirits call out her name. Remember? Mary, Mary, Mary. How was your week this week, Mary? It was, it was cool. You didn't hear nothing, right? Praise God, nobody talked to Mary. That's right, we've been praying. Uh, uh, she felt she had supernatural powers. Remember, she fell on some ice, and she had that spinal injury, and, and she uh, applied her mind science, and she was healed. But then we found out, really, if you're so healed, then why did you file that lawsuit and said you're still hurting? Remember that? Okay, so that's kind of strange. She had a violent temper, took after her pops. Uh, she got involved in seances and spiritualism, demonic activity. She became a trance channeler, even learned, earned an, a living from it. What's a chance... Uh, trans channeler you're inviting these demons inside you to speak through you, your vocal cords that's demonic possession right there and she is said to have channeled the apostles abraham lincoln even dead relatives she claimed that her enemies could use ma'am on her malicious animal magnetism right we're going to get into that tonight uh she also rejected drugs and doctors but um she herself was addicted to morphine don't do morphine okay it's the big lesson there okay now so where did she get all this from well certainly we saw a quite a bit of her background it's not good she's involved in demonic things demonic practices probably very well demonically possessed if she truly was being a trans channeler in its fullness it's full-blown demon possession she maybe it was a fake if she was pulling people's legs i don't know but if she was really doing that she's demon possessed now, we can be confident about that. Now, she also got it from this guy. And this is where we're going to begin our next historical journey. Phineas Quimby. Phineas Quimby. How many guys are going to name your next cat that? Really? Well, I guess we've got open-minded people here tonight. But anyway, so it was 1862. She became a patient of this guy. Right? You say, well, he's a doctor. Not like you would think of today. He was what was called, back in the day, a magnetic healer. He had an attractive way of doing things. A personality and... He, no, that's not what it meant. A magnetic healer, okay, basically was another word of what used to be called back in the day a mesmerists, okay? And we'll get to that in a second. But she, she, she goes to him. He's this magnetic healer, and she begins to develop this relationship with him. I'm going to get to a quote later possibly. She said, man, this was big. This guy's real. He healed me. All that. So she got hooked up with him in that way amongst all her other spiritual things that are going on, right? And uh, she gave uh, him much credit for his mesmerism techniques, I'll get to that in a second, as well as hypnotism. And the two kind of go together. That basically you get people into a hypnotic state and you mesmerize them, right? You know, I mean, I mean and we're, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but do, can you imagine if this stuff ever came into the church that people learned these hypnotic states that got people into an altered state of consciousness and they literally were able to mesmerize them and make them do weird stuff? 
Dude, we're going to get to that. Hopefully that far tonight. That's why I wanted to get started on time. It's this repackaged. Now, this is where she got hers. You saw last week, if you were here, that uh, malicious uh, animal magnetism, right? Well, that's what, this is where she gets. She added to it malicious, right? What this guy was doing, right? But let me explain to you, what is animal magnetism? Right, you probably heard of that. Let me explain. It's also known as mesmerism. So again, this is what the Quimby guy was involved in. And we got that, if you recall back in our New Age study, we actually talked about this with Franz Mesmer, where we get the term mesmerize. This was the kind of stuff that he was doing and where we get that word from. But what they believe is that there's this invisible natural force that possesses everything. All living beings, human animals, even vegetables. That's right. And ect, Ruth. Uh, is possessed by this. Now, this force, they believe, could have uh, uh, positive effects on people, physical effects, and i.e., what they're looking at is healing, right? Now, this physical force, of course, what this is is basically Hinduism. It's also akin to the chi force that you see in Star Wars movies and we saw before in Buddhism and things of that nature and Taoism, okay? But believe it or not, this magnetic healer, this animal magnetism, these mesmerists, all same thing, and this Phineas Quimby was one of them that she goes to, Right? She did have ailments, okay? but it probably doesn't help when you're doing drugs and you're full of demons. Maybe that's why you got some physical problems with all due respect. Right? But so she goes to this guy. This is what he's involved in. Now, believe it or not, back in the day, right, before more of our modern science, this was kind of a, whoa, maybe this stuff really works. Right? Okay? I would liken it akin to uh, the movement that's going on today, even in the medical realm, with more natural medicines, which I'm not against. But this was kind of like, it's like an alternative Right, this mesmerist, this animal magnetism. If you can achieve these powers and with these hypnotic abilities, you can bring healing to people. This is who that Phineas Quimby guy was. But it wasn't just he was involved in that stuff. Okay, When they did their little techniques on you, listen, it reported, affected you physically, things such as intense heat, trembling, it would induce trances and seizures. That doesn't sound good, even physically. And again, if you're dealing with a false demonic spirit and a false teaching, then probably maybe if you did get into a trance and had seizures and experienced this weird sensation, that means from the spirit of God, okay? But that's what you're going to see even today. It's going on even with Christian science. So what do you do when you take these techniques? And they're, they're occult techniques. They're, they're coming from New Age. They're coming from Hinduism. Again, well, well nobody's going to buy into that. Well, what do you do? You slap Christianese on it, Right? And then somehow you make it sound like, well, this is the spirit of God. Same baloney that's going on today. All right? So anyway, so she gives him a bunch of uh, things and saying, man, this guy's the greatest thing uh, since sliced bread. He's bringing healing to me. And Eddie's methods are basically derived from this guy. Okay? We're going to see that she, just like what we finished up with Seventh-day Adventists with Ellen G. White, major plagiarist. Remember that? Up to 90% of her writings were plagiarized. Okay? Guess who did the same thing? Mary Baker, Eddie, big plagiarist, okay? And a lot of her so-called unique work that only God gave me, no, it came from this guy, right? And that's why I want to, and not, she also plagiarized a bunch of other people, but I really want to get to this guy because this is some of the things, even the name Christian Science, she ripped off. We'll get to that in just a second. But Phineas Quimby, okay, now let's begin that journey. Phineas Quimby did not just influence Mary Baker Eddie. Okay, let's go down that trail. Who else did he influence? His techniques, all these, with these techniques, and you're going to bring healing to people and, and all this stuff and slap some Christianese on it. I guess it's okay. Well, believe it or not, he was also uh, the creator of what was called 
back in that day, and we're basically going back into our New Age study. So if you want to get more, way more in-depth than I'm going to tonight for the sake of time, go back to our New Age study. We dealt with this in great detail. But he was part of what was called the New Thought Movement, okay? Fancy new way of saying, basically, it's outside the Bible, okay? And using these techniques is really all it was. But it's New Thought. This is an early form of the New Age movement, right? And so his mindset, where did he get his stuff? This magnetism and these techniques and all that stuff. Well, he got it from New Thought, which is New Age. Also, it's a blend of Hinduism, okay, as well, is where he got it from. So he gets it, and he's accredited with the New Thought movement, right, with his beliefs. But that's where he got his from, okay. He also called it the Mind Cure Movement, right. Now, notice even in his practice and his verbiage, it sounds awfully familiar to, guess who? Christian science, okay? And uh, anyway, and what they would say is, now they're going to Christianize it. And a lot of cults do that today. We saw it before. You can't just come out and say, this is a demon, whatever, and you get, no, it's the spirit of God. You know, all those labels, they slap Christianese. Now, even Quimby and uh, Mary Baker Eddy does the same thing. They want you to think that this is Christian. And so this base is to have this secret mind technique and you use the power of your words and you just have to apply these techniques, mesmerize, right? And then you can provide healing. They believe that they got that from the Gospels, right? And basically, in a nutshell, what they said was Jesus was tapping into the same thing that they're just rediscovering, right? Uh, to use a phrase that you hear people today doing the same baloney, well, we're just doing what the early church did. The early church never did none of this demonic stuff, Right? Not the way that you're doing it, okay? But that's what they're saying, the, the, uh, the gospel. So, but basically, again, this is what it is. Uh, that's the rationale to try to get people to swallow it uh, as well, okay? So then we'll move on from there. So he basically uh, influences her. Uh, and basically, the main focus of his thing, right? It's just not a belief system. But the main focus that they would seduce people in is if you learn their techniques, okay? If you learn this new thought, if you learn this mind cure, and if you, you know, it's just what Jesus was doing, wink, 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 right? Then you could have perfect health. Is there anybody in the church today that's promising those false promises of perfect health, perfect wealth? And it's, I'm telling you, this is straight out of their root. They don't even understand where it's coming from. And this is straight out of New Age and Hinduism, right? Okay, now what's strange is, remember, even though he would accredit uh, Mr. Quimby, even though he would uh, credit that, he, that he's tapping into the same thing that Jesus did as we read in the Gospels, what's ironic, this guy is the founder of basically the charismatic movement, okay, but he himself would say, I am not a Christian. Blatantly, I'm not a Christian, right? Now he would wrong, and you see that with the occults and whatever, they say, oh, I'm not a Christian, but then they'll cherry pick the Bible because it's a spiritual book. Or, or again, they'll make that claim. Well, that's why Jesus was able to do what he was able to do. It wasn't from God. It's not what you're thinking. No, he tapped into some secret power, and that's available to us, and that's what they do. Okay, but that's what's ironic. He would not claim to be a Christian, and yet he is that. Now, again, also what went along with his philosophy was not just perfect health. Sound familiar? But also what he taught was that we are little gods. Okay, well, that's interesting. Does anybody else do that? The exact same camp that is saying we could have perfect health with, if we learn their mesmerizing techniques, right? Okay, that's supposedly from the Bible, that supposedly Jesus did, are the exact same ones that say that we are also little gods. And, quote, we create our own existence, what we want, 
by the power of what we imagine. Quote, and this is from Quimby. If you imagine success, you draw success to yourself. If you imagine defeat or lack of success, you attract that. Right thinking can bring healing. All disease is of mental origin, and true human uh, selfhood is divine. That's the core of what Quimby taught. And again, just saying what I just said, as we'll see, man, that just sounds like Christian science. Well, yeah, it is, because she ripped it off from him. Okay, by and large. But what does that also sound like? Charismatic word faith baloney that we talked before. Now, let me give you some stuff. I just said, what's his core thing? His core thing is perfect health. You learn these techniques. You could just speak into existence perfect health, right? And that you are little gods, right? And what you're doing is you're tapping into the Christ consciousness. That's full-blown new age right there. And that you learn these techniques from us, and then, you know, you can have all that. Now, really quick, we've dealt with this before, but now we're in there before I go any further... Listen to some of these quotes uh, from these people today who are promoting this. They just don't call it, we got this from Phineas Quimby. They don't call it new thought. They don't call it new age. Okay, they don't call it Hinduism. They call it word faith, right? Now, let me give you some quote. Benny Hinn says, sickness does not belong to you. It has no part in the body of Christ. Sickness does not belong to any of us. Who's that sound like? Mr. Quimby, Right? Uh, the Bible declares that the word of God is in our life. There will be healing. There will be divine health, divine healing. There will be no sickness for the saint of God. That means not even a headache, a sinus problem, not even a toothache, nothing. No sickness should come your way. What does it sound like? Phineas Quimby, what's it also sound like? Christian science. Why? Because they come out of the same root, right? Let me give you another one. Uh, Marilyn Hickey, remember, it's, you, you use your words and you speak into existence what you want. You think, well, that's crazy. That's occult stuff. That's new age stuff. Nobody would do that today. Marilyn Hickey. Let me quote. You tell them this is like full-blown Quimbyism and Christian science. She says, quote, say to your body, your whole body, why you just function so beautifully and so well. Why, body, you never have any problems. You're a strong, healthy body. Speak to your leg. Speak to your foot. Speak to your neck. Speak to your back. Once you've spoken and believe that you have received, don't go back on it. Speak to your wife. Speak to your... I'm sorry, speak to a counselor. I'm putting that one in there. Uh, Speak to your wife, speak to your husband, speak to your circumstances and speak faith to them and create them and God will create what you're speaking. What is that? Folks, that's the mantra from Hinduism we saw before in our Hinduism study as well as New Age and that's exactly what Quimby taught. Same thing as Christian science. But yet today it's supposed to be Christian and it's even more spiritual than the rest of us Protestants who haven't tapped into this Holy Spirit power. No, it's not. This is exactly, I'm telling you, they don't understand. I'm not here to pick on charismatics. I'm just dealing with the facts. They don't even understand where they got their stuff from. And, and just like Christian science, what do you do? You slap Christianese all around it, and somehow it's Christian, right? And listen to this. I'll give you one more. Frederick Price, he says, how can you glorify God in your body when it doesn't function right? How can you glorify God? How can he get glory when your body doesn't even work? What makes you think that the Holy Ghost wants to live inside of a body where he can't see through the windows and he can't hear with the ears? What makes you think the Holy Spirit wants to live inside of a physical body where the limbs and the organs and the cells don't function right? That's sick. Every person who's got a physical ailment, every person who's in a a, a debilitating situation, every person who's got a handicap, everybody's in a wheelchair, that guy just spit in their face. It's not just unbiblical, it's sick. But does he even realize his own movement, trace the trail? You got it from a new ager involved in Hinduism. But somehow it's supposed to be Christian. Now that's just the perfect health, right? Let's get to the, remember what was another tenet? We are little gods. 
And we just need to, we're little messiahs. We can just tap into the Christ consciousness. And this is where we can get this power with their mind techniques. Right? And I quote, same camp, same camp. Okay, Benny Hinn, back to him. When, when you say, I'm a Christian, you are saying, I'm a little messiah walking on the earth. That is a shocking revelation. May I say it like this? You are a little God on earth running around. Christians are little messiahs and little gods on the earth. Say, I'm a born heaven, a God man. I'm a God man. I'm a sample of Jesus. I'm a super being. Say it, say it. I'm not going to say it. That's blasphemy. But what's that? What is that? Where does that come from? Quimby, who got it from the New Age influence and Hinduism, and it's the same thing as Christian science. This is absolutely uh, crazy. Paul Crouch, he said, somebody said, I don't know who said it, but they claim that you faith teachers declare that we are gods, that you're a god, I'm a god. Well, are you a god? Quote, I am a little god. I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relationship. I'm a little god. Critics be gone. Excuse me? Kenneth Hagin, we're going to see a video clip of him and uh, Kenneth Copeland tonight, Lord willing. He said, the believer is called Christ. That is who we are. We're Christ. You are as much the incarnation of God as Jesus Christ was. And more Cirillo, he says, you're not looking at more Cirillo. You're looking at God. You're looking at Jesus. And there's more, but I've got to move on. But these people, what, what is this? They don't even understand what they're talking about. First of all, you shouldn't even, if you read the Bible, it's blasphemy. You don't have to trace the history trail. But you trace the history trail, and there is a direct link from Phineas Quimby. Yes, Christian science, but it came all the way down to the charismatic movement, the word faith teachers today. It's all based on uh, New Age and Hinduism, amongst other things. But let's, let's continue down that uh, trail with Quimby. And I want to show you that trail real quick. So he's basically, again, it's all about perfect health. You're a little God. You got this power. You just got to speak into existence what you want with your words and all that stuff. Okay. And so he begins to influence some people. Now, he influenced two people amongst others. Of course, again, with Mary Baker Eddy. At that time, Patterson. I think that's the name of her one husband who was a dentist. Okay. Later got married. We'll get to that again. And also another guy named Warren Felt Evans. Okay. Pay attention to him. So those two people... He influenced right out with his uh, deal. Then it moved down to, from Evans, it goes to this guy, and I'm just going to trace the trail for you, Frank Sanford. Okay, Frank Sanford, he was a former baseball player, uh, never completed the first year of seminary. Somehow he got hired by churches, and uh, he got dissatisfied, and he leaves. Okay, and then he eventually goes and creates a commune. Okay, and his commune at the, the day was called uh, Shiloh. Okay, well, that's biblical. It's got to be a Christian. No. So he goes and he creates his commune. Well, he runs into another guy, okay, and that's this John Alexander Dowie, okay? And so they kind of work together, and Dowie, again, he's got no biblical training either, okay? And uh, basically, so they start to work together, and Sanford all of a sudden started to say that the apostolic gifts were for today, okay? That also goes with that camp. And, uh, and then he's had these supposed prophetic utterances, okay? Now, both Sanford and Dowie claimed to heal people with a touch, a word, okay? And both claimed to raise the dead, right? Same thing that that camp does today, right? But again, where did it come from? Trace the trail, it comes back from this guy, New Age Hinduism, okay? Now, they ran into a problem. At first, they were buddies, they hung out, they did their little gig and all that stuff, okay? But Sanford and Dowie... Uh, claim both claim to be the prophet Elijah. Oops. Can't have that happen. You create a black hole. <laughs> you know, two people in the same place, a time vortex, I don't know, whatever. So it didn't create a time vortex. Praise God, we're still here. Okay. Uh, but it caused a split. 
and they split, right? So Dowie, he claimed to be Elijah. Sanford, he's Elijah. Well, you can't have that. So basically, this guy, he stays, and he's doing his commune called Shiloh. Well, Dowie, he goes off, and he creates his own uh, commune called Zion City. Guess what comes out of that? The Assemblies of God came out of this. Remember, where's the trail? It's all coming from here. This is the beginning of it. Okay, now it goes to this next guy called E.W. Kenyon, okay, after Dowie, right? And he goes to this Emerson School of Oratory. He went to that school to become an actor. This guy could act, okay? He goes to school to become an actor. Now, at that uh, school, <clears throat> he also was a student of, guess who? Warren Felt Evans, who was a direct uh, emphasis from Mr. Quimby, right? So it's even stronger back then. So he goes back, and he gets influenced with that, uh, with New Age and uh, Hinduism and Mr. Quimby and that stuff. And so that's his only education. Again, you're dealing with guys that were not educated, uh, didn't know the Bible, uh, and were the only source of inspiration was this guy. We'll trace the trail back up there. So that's their only education. And again, somehow with that, this guy got ordained, and he started pastoring a church. Background check. Background check. I highly recommend background checks. Are you kidding me? It's crazy. So, but let me back it up. So you got Quimby, you got Evans, you got Sanford, Dowry, Kenyon, no training. And the one guy who's involved who started the whole thing in New Age and Hinduism. Okay, now it goes to this next guy. Now we're getting closer to what's tradition called the birth of the charismatic movement. But it started before that. Okay, Charles Parham. Okay, he studied from guess who? So this Parham guy, he studies from Dowie and Sanford, right? So there's that link there. And again, no school, right? And uh, as one guy says, he says, listen, so they study, he studied both from Dowie and from Sanford. Okay, Parham was learning from men with, with no schooling, which of course means, according to the law of diminishing returns, he got even less. <laughs> okay, so now they start arguing, okay, these guys. Now they start arguing over the, the, the gift of tongues, you know, or language, okay? And so Parham, he goes off, right? So these guys ain't getting along. For some reason, it's supposed to be right, it's supposed to be from God. Where's the unity, right? There ain't none of that. So he goes off, and so he starts his own thing. He doesn't start the commune. He goes and starts the Topeka, Kansas Bible Institute. Well, it says Bible Institute's got to be Christian. No. In fact, what we'll see, Lord willing, in the charismatic extreme, there are some uh, <clears throat> big entities in Kansas City right now is some of the most putrid, false teaching, charismatic baloney in Kansas City today. Kansas City prophets. You want to go freak yourself out? Grave sucking and all that stuff we talked about before. You got some weird, freaky behavior with all due respect that's going on. Okay? And uh, so, anyway, so he goes in that area too. And it was actually used to be a former funeral parlor house. So that was kind of interesting. So he gets some students. Now, he brings in an interesting practice, right? Now, he, he taught his students, quote, that they needed to, listen, wear the latest clothing fashions to the school. Now, why is that important? I don't know. Got a sneaky suspicion. So what goes along with the charismatic word faith stuff? Perfect health, perfect wealth, your little gods, and this is why I dress in my Armani suit and I drive my Cadillac, right? Because that's what we're supposed to have, the best. Because wouldn't God want us the best? And what's the matter? You don't have enough faith, right? So he literally began to say, no, you got to wear, you know, the duds. So anyway, so Parham, he starts uh, an outbreak of supposed tongues. Now, this isn't Azusa, what gets the credit, the Azusa Street Revival. We haven't got there yet, right? This started before there. Now, there was a lady, we've talked about this before, there was a lady, if you recall, Agnes Osman, O-Z-M-A-N, Agnes was her first name, 
And believe it or not, in the charismatic history, she was the first one that was supposedly speaking in a, quote, back in the day when they had this supposed gift that they said was in function for today, which I believe is up for debate. But even when they first were doing it, they said that it was occurring in a known tongue. A little different than today. Today, it's all what? Gibberish. So even back in their own history, when it's occurring, they're saying, no, 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 it's an actual language. Well, now, if you want to even make that case, you're getting closer, I don't agree with it, but you're getting closer to Acts chapter 2, when the gift of languages, glossalia, that's all it is, was going forth, that people heard them in their own language, and it calls out the country. So it's always been a known language, the legitimate gift, if it's even in function for today. And again, it's open for debate. Now, she actually said that she knew what language she was speaking when she was supposedly doing this. And she called it out, and she said it was Chinese. Okay, well, that's a known language, right? Now, I'm not making this up. Try to contain yourselves. But here is an actual transcript of a part. What she said was the legitimate gifts of languages, and specifically Chinese. I'm not making this up. Quote, Lazzle, lazzle, loggle, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. I'm not making it up. I'm not making it up. You can come and look at it after the study. <laughs> can you? It's not Chinese. Oh, wow. Right? As one guy says, that's lunacy. Right? But again, you got no biblical training. You got no one. Anything goes. And you just pepper it with Christianity and somehow it's okay. It's crazy. Okay? Now, it goes into another guy after Parham. So he's doing all this stuff. Well, he gets and he influences another guy named William Seymour. Right Now, William Seymour, he starts something, now we're getting closer, the Azusa Street Mission, right? And then that's when you hear they just had their 100th anniversary, I think, not too long ago, of uh, the, the Azusa Street Revival, when uh, the charismatic movement in America officially took off. Well, as we saw, it had been starting a long time, but as we also saw, where's it coming from, right? Back up the train there. But anyway, so he starts this Azusa Street um, Mission, and uh, if you look at their services, it was pretty wild. Okay, and I quote, anyone can get up and preach, quote, and everyone did. Listen, nobody stopped you to ask for your testimony to make sure you were even saved. Everyone preached, quote, including local witches and sorcerers. Until Seymour realized what they were and then later forbid them from preaching, but they still attended anyway, quote, and kept doing their strange worship while the services went on. So they got to witches and sorcerers were up there doing their thing. Oh, we can't have that. That's too obvious. So they're sitting in the pews and they're probably doing their incantations in the pews. Do you think that's a good environment to be in? This is the birth of the, not a good sign, folks. Okay, but they continued anyway. So he, all he did, now during these services, you see, well, Seymour, he was the man. He was the spiritual leader at that place and he, he kept things Here's all he did. All he did was sit down, quote, with his head in a crate and shout, repent, from time to time. That's it. That's how he contributed. Now you're back to what sounds like what? Joseph Smith, when you remember he put his head in the hat and supposedly until the rock glowed. And then he was able to somehow translate these golden plates that weighed, what, a couple hundred pounds. And he had a, he had a known limp and he was able to run with 200 pounds worth of gold plates to avoid a mob that was trying to... Remember that? Mormon days. We already dealt with that. So anyway, so this is what this guy's doing. He's got his head in the crate. Repent, repent. That's it. And while witches and sorcerers and who knows what else is going on. This is the birth of that. Also, 
uh, people were horrified by the other actions there, included reports of kissing between unmarried persons during the service. What's that sound like? Well, we just finished up with, with some of the background of Ellen G. White and early on before she got married and then it didn't seem quite as scandalous, right? Remember that? And then, of course, so anyway, so here's what he says. Seymour was not trained because Parham was not trained because Dowie and Sanford were not trained. Now, from uh, Amy, or from Azusa, okay, from the supposed outbreak of the revival, another big lady was the Amy Simple McPherson, right? And again, when we hit Lord Willing, of course, everything, Lord Willing, when we hit the charismatic thing, we're going to take way more time. We're going to go through this. We're going to add a lot more to it because I want you to understand from where the source of inspiration for this came from. And again, the reason why I'm hitting this is because it deals with basically what you're going to see tonight. Yes, Mary Baker Eddy was a morphine addict. Okay, big time. Okay, and that doesn't help. <laughs> and then she was dem demonically possessed. But basically what you're going to see tonight is Mary Baker Eddy was an early version of a word faith teacher. She just went off on her own branch and called it Christian science. Right? So that's part of the reason why I'm bringing this up. Okay? So basically, so that's where it came from. And we're going to see, and I'm going to give you a quote, hopefully if I can get there, from Benny Hinn. And I'm going to share with you what he said. And he's still doing this baloney today, amongst others, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, and stuff. But he had said that he visited her grave. And something strange happened that he thought was wonderful. Right? So I'll get to that. So again, those are that. In fact, let me just go ahead and read that to you. Here's what he said. He said, and I watched the video today. And I transcribed this myself from the video, right? So he said, quote, he goes and he visits her tomb. Kind of creepy, but whatever. So he said, I felt a terrific anointing. That sounds Christian. Uh, when I visited Amy's tomb, I trembled. I was shaking all over with power. It came all over me, and I began to weep. Because he visited her gravesite. Whatever. So, interesting. So anyway, so, bing, and so that's there. That's that thread. We took a little rabbit trail. Did you enjoy the rabbit trail tonight? That's a little rabbit trail. So she basically, that's what she is, and that's where she got it, as well as the charismatic movement. She just goes off and says Christian science. Right? So let's get back to Mary Baker. So again, she's writing in these articles and stuff that this guy, Quimby, he's awesome. You know, he's got this power to heal, and he's, he's got these techniques, and I, I've benefited from it. You know, my health has improved and all this stuff. And again, they, were, they became friends. They respected each other. They're intertwined. But of course, after he dies, um, then she distanced herself. Oh, no, it had nothing to do with him. You know, this is my stuff. Right? So again, it's a plagiarist. So, and so anyway, so in 1859, guess, now, now she wrote her book, uh, the, the Christian Science, which is their big textbook. She wrote, I think it was 1875, if I have them out. Now, this is 1859, Quimby dies, I think 1866, but in 1859, and I quote, he began to call his technique, right? He began to call it the method of healing, quote, the science of health, he also called it the science of Christ. Makes it sound Christian. And he even used the term Christian science to describe his work. So you're going, well, how in the world? Whatever. I kid you not. She waited until 1866, which just so happens to be the exact year he died, to say that this is what God told me. You ripped it off from the guy and you waited until he died. He used even your own term for your own false religion, right? So again, that kind of tells you a little bit of the character of what's going on. So again, I don't have time to get into it, but if you want to get into it, uh, not only with Quimby, 
but also with Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, they had uh, found in her writings, even with the Christian Science textbook that she wrote, okay, that it is in harmony with Hinduism, with, with what she wrote, uh, and even quoting passages from the Bhagavad Gita, as we saw before. Uh, I even have quotes here from um, Indian historians, and I'll just read this one to you. He said, the Christian science movement in America was influenced by India. The founder of this movement, Mary Baker Eddy, was common with the Hindu writings, believing that matter and suffering were unreal and that a full realization of this fact was essential for relief from ills and pains. The Christian science doctrine has naturally been given a Christian framework, he says, in other words, Pepper Christianese. He says, but it echoes of the Hinduism and Hinduism literature. So here's a Hindu guy saying, that's all this is. Right? And then in many times in her earlier writings, she does what many times the cults do. Earlier versions, when people say, hey, that's a quote from the Hindu writings, the Veda. Hey, I need to come out with a new version. Right? And they still have the principles there, but they take out that glaring mistake. And she did this repeatedly. Now, she not only did that repeatedly, every time she came out with a new version, guess what? She said for her students to do, you need to buy my next version. Right? I'm telling you, she made a wad of cash. We'll get to that in just a second. So anyway, so there's, there's evidence. I don't have time to get into that, but she literally is, she's quoting Hindu sources. She rips it off from uh, Quimby on top of that. So basically, now this is in 1873, two years before uh, she writes her book, The Science and Health, later Science and Health with the Key to Scriptures. That's the Christian Science textbook, if you will. Uh, she divorces her husband. I think it's the third guy, Mr. Patterson. In uh, 1873, she comes out with her book in 1875, and it was a runaway bestseller. No, she actually self-published the thing. It wasn't because some publishers said, wow, what a great literature, we have to. No, she self-published the thing. And, uh, and then, of course, if you're going to be her student, what do you got to get? Got to buy the textbook, right? <laughs> so that's what she did. And then and towards the back end, I think about the last 100 pages, is just a bunch of these supposed testimonies of people doing her mind science techniques and getting healed right now in 1877 two years later she marries uh asa gilbert eddy and that was i believe her last husband that's where she get now she's been married multiple times they moved to boston in that year and then he died that year and in my note it was quote wow exclamation point for all those healing powers she sure couldn't keep her husbands alive sorry to be blunt but that was very strange, and I had to put that in there. Okay, so basically from this point forward, now she's free and clear, so to speak, from marriage, whatever. Not that that's a bondage thing. I'm having a great, right? But anyway, so she's now devoting herself whole time, whole hog with this. Now, now, you need to understand, why do I say she was an early version of the word faith? Because it all comes from the same root. But also, what's another common thing with word faith? Perfect health, perfect wealth, your little gods, you're, you're little messiahs. You're just tapping into this consciousness. God's bound to do what you do. It's all in the power of the words. You create your own reality. All that's the same stuff. All of it's being promoted today, just called Christianese. Okay, not just Christian science, but it's coming in the so-called charismatic part. Okay, but also, it's not just perfect health. It's perfect wealth. And it does work. I will, I will say their teachings when it comes to perfect wealth does work for them. And I'll put that there, because they're the ones making the cash. Well, guess who also, listen, became a multi-millionaire? The early word faith teacher. I mean, Mary Baker Eddy. 
Now listen to this. In 1881, she founded what was called the Massachusetts Metaphysical College. Okay. Uh, Metaphysical College. I mean, that sounds kind of new agey. That doesn't sound good. Right? And uh, so she taught approximately 800 students at that time. She charged her students $300 tuition. Now, again, this is 1881. So I broke out the math. I did one online. actually got a little calculator. Per student, she was charging, that's today, $7,000. Can you imagine paying somebody 7000 bucks to learn some techniques for perfect healing? Does that sound familiar? That's why I say she's an early version of a word faith teacher. She just went off in her own direction and called it Christian science. She slapped her own Christianese on it, just like the people today. She just went in her own direction. So then she starts uh, uh, producing the Christian Science Journal, the Christian Science Sentinel, advertising. She starts these things. We might get into more of this later. Christian Science Reading Rooms. You heard of those? There's approximately, they say, I think 1,200 uh, in existence today around the world. And basically, it's supposed to be a copy of the Bible in there. And I uh, wonder how accurate that is. But her writings and stuff. And so basically, it's basically go there and get influenced with her baloney. That's all it is. Really, by and large. So that's, if you've heard of that, that's really what that is. So she goes, and she, of course, she's, uh, with, she's got some serious cash, man. And uh, so she creates the Mother Church. That's the video we saw last week. The guy was outside the Mother Church, right? Uh, the first Church of Christ Scientists, 1894, right? And she goes into that. And uh, I want to give you an idea of um, just some of the things that she did. I, man, I don't have time to get in the... I still can't get to the morphine. We're going to have to skip the morphine thing for next time. All right. I want to get you into an idea of just how much cash uh, this lady uh, raked off of people, okay? Uh, when she died, I've got to at least get you that one. When she died, okay, she was actually, ah, here it is. When she died, she was actually worth $75 million. Who is she? She's an early version when you do the trail. Same thing going on today. She just went her own direction. She was a word of faith teacher. Yes, that's now money, right? It was $3 million the day. I went and looked it up, did the calculations, inflation, all that stuff. $75 million today. Also, when she died, she was living in a 34-room mansion. 34-room. Not three, not four, not 14. 34-room mansion uh, in a Boston suburb, okay, and again, this is the this is the 1910 when she died, okay, big bucks, multi multi millionaire. But listen, she said she she um, the question about you know with the money and all the stuff, and you're charging people this exorbitant amount for your techniques and all that stuff. And she said, quote, she that was the fee to which quote God impelled me. And isn't that always the back... You hear that from the people today. Oh, that's what from God. God told me to tell you to... Right? All that stuff. Now, we're going to close and... Man, we're just going to have... We're, I'm st it's still a good rule. Don't do morphine. But we're going to have to get into the morphine thing, Lord willing, next time. <laughs> Let alone, I want to get into this uh, uh, malicious animal magnetism. Right? She was real, And I think it's because... Not, not only the demons, but because the morphine kind of makes you paranoid. Right? And she really thought that these people were after her because they learned her techniques too. And with their mind, they were trying to kill her with the mind thoughts. I'm not making this up, right? This lady's life, not good. Right? But anyway, so word of faith, right? So we said all that. So here she is. She's a multi, multi-millionaire. She's living in this place. 
spiritual mansion. She's charging exorbitant fees all for what? Perfect health. The techniques. It sounds Christian. We've thrown Christian all over it, right? And is that being done today? Yes. Let me share with you. Apparently, when you learn these techniques, all you got to do is just touch somebody or blow on somebody with your, your mind techniques, and you can make them do some weird stuff. What I'm about to show you is being touted as more spiritual than what you and I do on Sunday mornings. But let's take a look at, if you learn these techniques, here's what power you can have. Let's take a look. Get ready because an explosion is going to happen. Ooh. Tonight is a night for people that are ready to receive. Oh, <laughs> oh my, this is real. No, there's false prophets in the city is what's going on. This behavior of the charismatic movement is statistically some of the, quote, fastest growing churches. Uh, because, man, that's some serious entertainment. But again, what it says, if you, it's the same thing. You learn these mind techniques. Of course, you guys call it Christian. And I think a lot of this personally is a bunch of learned behavior and chicanery. But I do believe that sometimes people are opening themselves up to a different spirit. Uh, as we saw before in some of our other studies, it's a Hindu spirit called the Kundalini spirit, if you're familiar with that. Even when you're putting the hand on the forehead and they fall back and supposedly under power, 
Actually, Hindu gurus do the same thing. They call it the Shakti pot, and they put on and fuses supposedly uh, this power on you and makes you fall over. So it's nothing new. But again, you trace the trail. Nothing new. Just be in the church, and somehow that's more spiritual than you and I. But during these meetings, you got to pay your big cash to, in order to get entrance, and then you go to these healers. They're called faith healers. She calls them Christian science practitioners, right? And that you pay them, you learn these techniques, and you can have perfect health. Because, uh, or you learn it yourself, and you can hit the road and become your own person as well. So there's that. Now, that's that thing. If you learn their techniques, all the weird things that you can do and the power that you can suppose they have even over people. But there's also that fringe benefit. Remember the fringe benefit? What did she, what did she did way back in the day? How, well, how much was she worth? $75 million. And, and because of this new healing technique that she uh, promulgated, uh, she got to uh, live in this palatial mansion. These guys doing the same thing? Yes, we saw this before, but now in this context, once again, let's go back to Benny Hinn. Let's, how's he living? He claims he can cure the sick. Hallelujah. Critics say the only miracle may be the millions he's making. Though Hinn refuses to make his financial information public, he has said that every dollar given to his ministry goes to the work of the Lord. Be that as it may, Benny Hinn does manage to live very well. His home is this mansion overlooking the Pacific Ocean, built and paid for by his ministry. According to building records, it has seven bedrooms, eight bathrooms, and more than 7,000 square feet of living space. The ministry told us the mansion was its parsonage and a good investment. According to area realtors today, it's worth about $10 million. And when Hinn goes to crusades around the world, he travels in this private jet. According to documents we obtained, the ministry pays more than $112,000 a month to use the plane. And closer to home, Pastor Benny still travels in style. This photo obtained by Dateline shows him getting out of a Mercedes SUV, and here he is driving a Mercedes convertible. Both cars retail for about $80,000. At this crusade in Milwaukee, the documents indicate Benny Hinn occupied the presidential suite of the Pfister Hotel. The hotel told us the room cost $990 a night. At a crusade in Panama, the documents show, and we verified with the Intercontinental Hotel, that Hinn was in the royal suite. The published rate, $1,700 a night. At a crusade in Montreal, we verified Pastor Benny was ensconced in the royal suite of the St. James Hotel. The regular rate there, $2,700 a night. The room is as big as an average house, 2,200 square feet including a makeup room, dressing room, and a piano that plays by itself. And we found some other trips that seem to have little to do with spreading the word of God. Hinn is a regular at Beverly Hills clothing stores like Versace, Louis Vuitton, and Bijan, where Hinn's name is on the window along with princes and heads of state. But there are questions raised by some of the purchases we found in those expense documents. For example, in just over four weeks in 2003, we found six separate charges at high-end clothing stores, totaling more than $6,000, all charged on the ministry's corporate card. But we were intrigued by what appear to be stops made by Pastor Benny at resorts and spas around the world, on his way to and from crusades. The ministry called these stops layovers. Now, for most of us travelers, a layover means long hours waiting for a connection in an unfamiliar airport maybe an overnight stay at a low-rent hotel. But remember, Pastor Benny travels in the ministry's private jet and sets his own schedule. So consider Benny Hinn's version of a layover. 
On his way home to California from this crusade in Colombia, the documents show, and the hotel confirmed for us, Pastor Benny stopped at this resort in Cancun, Mexico. He stayed in the presidential suite there that cost the ministry $2,684 for one night. The trip was described as a layover. Right now. After crusades in Russia and Sweden in July of 2003, Pastor Benny apparently didn't get on his private jet, fly west, and go home. Instead, he flew from Sweden south to Italy, then back north to England, with an entourage that included his son, his daughter, and her fiancé. There were expensive meals, like this one for more than $900 in Italy, and one at this Lebanese restaurant in London for more than $1,700. And check out these hotel bills. In Italy, transportation charges of more than $6,000. In London, another $6,000 for incidentals, such as chauffeur services and in-room tea. The documents also list tips. In three days, more than $4,500 worth, including $1,000 to a concierge and another $1,000 to a desk manager. And then there were Pastor Benny's hotel rooms. In London, the documents show, Hinn stayed at the exclusive Lanesborough Hotel. The hotel confirmed for us it was suite 210 and told us that they never discount rooms. The going rate, the hotel says, more than $3,000 a night. And then there was Pastor Benny's hotel room in Milan. According to the expense documents, room 1001. The hotel confirmed it's the presidential suite. The hotel website says the room is fit for a prince and the largest hotel suite in Europe. Among its 5,400 square feet, three bedrooms, a formal dining room, a fireplace, a jacuzzi, a sauna, a Turkish bath, a large terrace with a panoramic view of the city, and a 100-foot-long swimming pool decorated with marble and frescoes. The hotel told us this room rents for more than $10,000 a night. No discounts. And through it all, Pastor Benny maintains that he has truth and God on his side. Look at these eyes. I have never lied to you. Never. I never will. I'd rather die then lie to God's people. Boom! Lightning bolt struck him dead. <laughs> That's how it should end, but it didn't. With all due respect. You liar. Hey, listen. Come here. And you guys know this. This is true. Last weekend, I was on the road. And I was not eating chicken. I heard that. I was preaching. I was on the road like Benny Hinn. I was preaching, me and Reed, in Alabama. We did not stay in anything like that. I tell you what, not even close. Alabama's cool, but woo! I tell you what, can you believe that? Where's this guy getting this from? Are you kidding me? Oh, what's a phrase? Like mother, like son. Trace the trail. It's the same baloney being repeated today. It's just that happened. She died in 1910, I believe. People don't even know who Christian Science is and who, who Mary Baker Eddy is. Certainly not even the church, if you can believe that. So guess what? Here comes a couple of generations later. People don't even know their own history. The history of the occult, the history of pseudo-Christian groups. It's 
It's all been repackaged. Same baloney going on say, exact same carbon copy false teachings, perfect health, perfect wealth. You speak into existence what you want, right? You're little gods, little messiahs, and these guys are multimillionaires. It's sick. So, but that's right. Lord willing, next week, maybe, Lord willing, we'll get into, and don't do morphine. That's right. We'll close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So, once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven, that men might be saved. We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin, then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more, the Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just five out of ten of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You will be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven in that state. You're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. 
And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins against Him. And you could actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. Please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crown of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.